Luis Hebergani. I want to thank you all as avid listeners for partaking and listening to our episodes and hopefully you're growing and developing from our episodes and the content that we disseminate. But unfortunately on this episode, you can only listen to about 60, maybe 70% of it clearly. Uh, unfortunately, we just ran into some technical difficulties and it's about uh, 30 to 40% of it you may not catch as clearly. It's a bit choppy. Uh, but we'll continue to try to enhance the listening experience for you all as uh, avid listeners. Um, and just continue to support us as we continue to grow and refine ourselves. Thank you. Ashe. You're clinging on to the emotional belief system that you have. It's hard for you to now uh, dissect from said belief because it's so ingrained into your system, into your your heart, you're into your um, your framework, into your hardware, um, and that's part of the reality that Black Christians go through when you expose the fallacies and uh, the deficiencies or the inconsistencies in Christianity within the Bible in regards to our African spiritual system that proceeds about at least eight thousand years or so, and supporting information in terms of archaeology and uh, in, in terms of epistemology chronology, mm-hmm. actually, so on and so forth. Yeah. It's, it's two things you don't mess with in the black community. You don't mess with they Jesus <laughs> and you don't and you don't mess with their yeah. their, their current <laughs> environment. Because I think cognitive dissonance happens quite often recently yeah. with you know getting getting our people to a place where we can understand economics and understand how capitalism uh, right. as a system can be used to work against us. And how building wealth and group uh, group economics, pulling mm-hmm. our resources and our money together around tax time, and we can just e- even just like little by little, you know, we can really do some very powerful and impactful things that benefits us more than it benefits everyone else. Because when the money comes into our pockets, we just send it back out uh, back out to them. It just goes right to them. They'll they'll be willing to give us more money on top mm-hmm. of more money if we're just going to give it right back to them anyway. So there's really nothing left for us, and it just currently widens the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the wealth the wealth gap and uh, economic inequality is is still going to be prevalent. So when you have no economic power base, you have no structure. They can treat you and talk to you and look at you and deny you access, and they can right. literally shoot you and get away with it because you have no means of protecting yourself economically. Right, exactly. You know, so what you're what you're talking about is uh, sociological, uh, socio-political uh, power relations that mm-hmm. enables uh, the white imperialistic system to determine and dictate what will take place, when it will take place, and how it will take place, based upon their power to uh, formulate society and actions and leverage you right. to do certain things based on their ability to punish you, uh, aka. Uh, Operant conditioning, just uh, just like in psychology, you have operant conditioning, uh, where like that's what they do with lab rats, uh, based upon you adhering to or or you uh, disagreeing to what I'm asking of mm-hmm. you, I can punish you and then control your behavior. So if a, if a rat doesn't go in a certain direction, I want the rat to go into, I can electrocute it until it learns to mm-hmm. go the opposite way of the direction it wants to go to. And I will release it from its pain once it begins to adhere and cooperate with what's been asked of, of this rat, which is a, neg- a negative reinforcement within that operant conditioning 
uh, I think is mm-hmm. what you would call the the Skinner rat. Yes, that's what you would call the Skinner rat, based off of B.F. Skinner, who came up with that um, that uh, that theory of controlling behavior based upon rewards and punishments. And that's the same level of power dynamics and relations that takes place with black people. We do certain things in congruence with the white gaze because our fear of the overseer, the overseer who, although the overseer is not looking at us and we're still in the fields, now we're in society and it's certain things we won't do behaviorally or we won't challenge the, the power that be because they still have money, they still pay us, they still sign our checks, they still have control of the jails and they can put us in their jails if we don't adhere to certain things. So we're still suffering from that power relation of the rat and the doctor in the laboratory. And white people are the doctors in the laboratory and we are the lab rats. All right. And and, and getting back to that cognitive dissonance, that's where that comes from. It's like you're presenting new information to people that can free them, but it feels like because because I've been there, yes. it just felt like it felt like a trap. It was like, okay, what are you what are you what are you doing? You, this is this is a setup. Like you know, mm-hmm. when, when you when you're a Christian, you grew up in the church or any any particular religion, and you point out the the, the fallacies and some of the inconsistencies with history, it, it just feels like, yo, what, what what are you doing? Like you're you're attacking my mm-hmm. beliefs and you're attacking my like what do you want from me? You're trying to get something from me. This this right. feels dangerous. Um, when you tell people, we tell our, some of our people about, you know, right. the racial identity model when they're when they're salient. When you try to tell them about um, in anything dealing with black empowerment or anything dealing with mm. obtaining black wealth, it just feels it feels dangerous. Like it feels like you know, like you oh this this is a scam. <laughs> like oh you you're a scam artist. You know what I'm saying? That's that's you know, yeah you want right. you want to make money right, off right. me. You know what I'm saying? Like right. being being black being being mm. um ignorant being poor being selfish uh hating hating oneself not not mm. saying that people hate themselves because when you again when you tell people about indoctrinated self-hatred they're thinking in their mind oh i hate myself no you <laughs> it's, it's not about hating the the self not hating mm. the body the mind body and spirit of you it is about hating the uh the culture uh the the history that is associated with us all the things that made us great and who we were before the middle passage <laughs> It's like yeah, right. you, you, it's this. It's not mm-hmm. not so much self hatred. It's disconnections. Right. So that's what that cognitive dissonance. That's what that feeling comes in. Is like new information right. feels dangerous. This is not on what I'm used to. And if I if I even attempt to ascribe to this, I'm going to be punished in right. some way. Like you said, the punishment that comes with that. Mm. Right. And so once you get exposed to the information, your belief system, your belief system necessitates that you reject said information Mm -hmm. and you continue to be willfully ignorant because of uh, the belief system that's that's so indoctrinated within you and you've been conditioned emotionally. And a lot lot of black people don't realize we've been conditioned emotionally. That's why when, when someone says, well, the Bible may be corrupt in some way, the Bible was written by the Greeks who stole from the Africans who have perverted the truth. They get in flux emotionally. They begin to respond. They become reactionary because they've been conditioned emotionally. Um, and, you know, when we shout, we are expressing uh, emotional feelings. We, 
we are profusely feeling some type of sensation mm-hmm. internally that's being expressed outwardly uh, through shouting and so on and so forth. And, uh, and just to correct you there, what, what salience is talking about how relevant something is. So, you know, if you brought up a point, I say, oh, that was a salient point. So that was a relevant point. So that's not salience. It's not an actual state that you are as a person necessarily. It's just to, to what degree is race salient to you? To what degree is race important to you? I, say, I understand. Um, and so, so when I, so with the disconnect you was talking about, that is uh, something that you get a basic understanding of when you discuss centrality. If my blackness is not central to me and how I indicate or how I identify myself, then my closeness to um, I, black ideals or black feelings will be something that is um, not be something that's something that's not that close. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not that close to blackness. It's not something that's that important to me. It's not something that has much meaning for me as an individual, particularly if I'm an assimilationist. Uh, something that I will be close to is white ideals and white feelings. Mm. And, I, and I will, in a sense, become a white apologist. I want to find ways to forgive white people or, or justify their willful ignorance of uh, I don't see color. And if you don't see color, then you don't see the system of racism, institutional racism predicated upon race and how yeah. race, my race. Like the, the Wizard of Oz. Negative. You only see what we want you to see. <laughs> If you're already blind, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Just, right. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, you see in the, you see you see in right. like, you see what's in front of you almost. They're like, oh, I see this path. So I'm just gonna continue to walk this path and this is the way I'm going to maneuver throughout the right. world. Because it's all that I see. If you see the grand like the bigger picture, see where you're right. walking into, see the trap, see which alleys you can and can't go down, or which uh diverted path, maybe you should try this, maybe you shouldn't be on the same road as everyone else, everyone thinking the same thing and everyone having this exact same beliefs. Maybe if you veer off here, there's something different down there. So that just made me think about that when you when you said that, you know. Right, exactly. I got you. Uh, let's see. We can, we running yes. short on time here, but we're going to get to this last stage. Uh, ideology. Ideology, the individual's beliefs, opinions, and attitudes with respect to mm. the way she or he feels black should act. The, the dimension uh, represents the person's philosophy about the ways in which African-Americans should <laughs> live and interact with, uh, within society. And so ideology is mm-hmm. influenced by the foreclosed and moratorium state. And so the foreclosed state is when you have, let's see here, Foreclosed state is when you have a narrow and fully committed identity based off influence without self-exploration, meaning that the views and uh, the the world perspective that you have is something that's been interjected within you, meaning it's something that's been silently uh, placed within you without your awareness. So you will be unconsciously unaware about how you're operating from an identity, a modality, modality meaning a mode of operation you're operating from a modality that's not of your own. It's a modality that's been passed on to you. So I like to call it the mm-hmm. uh, baton effect. Or the, no, excuse me. I like to call it the baton effect, where um, it's like the passing of the baton. And so you get passed down 
uh, identity that's like a baton that is not right. something that you discover for yourself, but it's something rather it was given to you. Uh, and with the moratorium status, is someone who actively is exploring ethnic identity but has not committed to an identity. And so you can see that with the, the ideology as well, that you haven't committed to anything. So that's where race is kind of like, right. uh, it's not that big of a deal to me. I haven't really made a commitment to it. Or, or with the foreclosed state, where you could be so reactionary, where Afro, uh, Afro, Afrocentrism uh, can be something uh, that you have a romanticized view of, but you don't really inherently understand it. Uh, you come like a, what they call a, a what they call it, it's like <laughs> an activist, but you you like a wokeivist. I think they said where where you just you just superficially participate in something you know about it, mm -hmm. but you don't actively pursue it, and you don't try to have a comprehensive understanding of it and its implications and its influence and its impact. You just you just oh, I'll stay woke. I know about this, but you, what are you doing with the information? Are you are right. you uh, and those, that's the like the people who meaning, get on social media and. They're always pointing out that the main the main thing that I've noticed people point out when they're a woktivist, as you would say, they they love pointing out, you know, racial inequality and mm. uh, racial inequities. Like if, if something is unfair, they'll point out the double standard of, oh, if they were mm. black, this wouldn't happen. Uh, why do the po protesters have guns? But we can't even walk around without guns because something right. bad to us I, I so I, I just ask every now and again i was like yo what is the solution <laughs> like why are you pointing out the inequities why are you pointing out how these things are unfair and how they're double standardized like like why wait do you have a solution to this like what should be done about about this because yes it is unfair that when we peacefully protest and we peacefully put our hands up and we're peacefully in the neighborhood no one's causing chaos we're met with constant aggression but yeah, that's, that is something to think about. <laughs> uh -huh. Right. Right, exactly. Yes. So we, we're about to get into, like, mm -hmm. the, I like to call like a little case study of, of ideology, uh, right? Quickly. So we have uh, Priscilla mm -hmm. Shuri. Uh, Priscilla Shuri is an actress, a speaker, and a mega church uh, pastor. And uh, I think this is uh, about two years ago. Uh, he was uh, in a video, a video surface up saying uh, where she stated, I am not a black woman. I am a Christian woman who happens to be black. High ironic in that. Right. So the irony is while she was trying to uh, disconfirm or denounce and um, disassociate herself from her blackness, she affirmed another identity that she had a, a preference for. She said, I'm not a black woman. But then she proceeded to say, I'm mm -hmm. a Christian woman. So what's most salient to her is her Christianity. And on a secondary level, what's most salient to her is her womanness. And then she says, thirdly, who happens to be black, as if, as if her blackness was something that was serendipitous, meaning something that just happened or was happenstance, and it's something out of her control. And I find it odd that black people who often try to disassociate from their blackness or try to lessen the importance of their blackness. They always point to their blackness as something that just so happened. It was just something, don't look at me, don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a black man, I'm a man who happens to be black. It's, there always, always an attempt to defect from one's blackness due to the stigmas and the negative connotations associated with blackness. So in an attempt, they may find themselves going into a state of uh, which I didn't get to with the ideologies here. Let's see. 
he may find himself getting into a state of humanism. Right. That's one of the ideologies of uh, MMRI, the multidimensional model of racial identity. One of the ideologies is humanism. So I would say based upon her rhetoric, she was campaigning for a humanistic perspective mm-hmm. where I'm just, I'm a Christian one. Well, first and foremost, I'm Christian. Happen to, and I happen to be black. And, and then she dissociates herself from my blackness. But you never see white Christians having the same proclivity, meaning impulse or inclination, to now disassociate themselves from their whiteness, in, in part mm-hmm. because whiteness is standardized. It's being grown to a fine powder, uh, powder and within Christianity to where you Christianity is in oneness with whiteness. It's in lockstep with whiteness. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't have to affirm. White people don't have to affirm their whiteness with Christianity. Because Christianity is already known to be overtly and covertly uh, whitewashed because you have a white Jesus figure in terms of the iconography of what a Jesus or a God would look like. So white people don't have to pronounce their whiteness. It's a power of not saying it because everything in my society right. they, they can just show up. my whiteness because <laughs> it's a standard. Yeah, we, 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 can't just, we can't just show up. We have to show up and examine right, the right, environment exactly. so we, you know, we don't make any mistakes or you know offend anybody just by our mere presence and we would which we're going to do that anyway mm. Mm. right exactly and so and so <clears throat> sherry once uh she had this backlash uh she started apologizing uh, she wrote on a facebook page within the framework of the entire message i was given at the time my only intention was to make the point that no aspect of my life should ever define the believer more than our relationship with Christ. No aspect of life should ever mm-hmm. define the believer more than our relationship with Christ. But however, yes, she started with Christianity. But then right after that, she went right into her womanhood and then said, I just so happen to be black. Like, don't associate me with that blackness. I don't want the stigmas that comes with the negative white gays perception of blackness you know so i found it funny that her womanist was salient enough to put in there she didn't deem it she didn't say i'm a christian who happens to be a woman and happen to be black because mm-hmm. she she made sure that she affirmed her womanist but then she disconfirmed her blackness and that's a, that's a common pattern that i'm seeing uh in a pathological sense from black people right. who always try to divest from or dissect from their blackness um. I mean, I've, I've, I've had I've had time? moments when when everything was peaceful within within my life where you know I was just oh um, I'm I'm more than this 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 was my thing I was more than <laughs> you know I'm more than you know I yeah I, I'll acknowledge like I, I, it's not the exact same as mm-hmm. that but in a sense it, it kind of there is a similarity in that because you shouldn't have to tell people that you're more than something. It was like I'm more than just mm-hmm. a black individual. I'm more than this. I'm, you know, I. This isn't all right. that I am. I'm, I'm so much. Like you have to attach another level of greatness as if your blackness wasn't already great enough. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm like I'm black and I'm 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 dope. I I, I didn't never, I never said that, that because it just sounds, you know, depending on the space that you're in, it would sound a, a certain way and it wouldn't be appealing. That's not that's not marketable. Being more than is mar- marketable, and it, and and then I guess the downside right. to it is, you know, you run the risk of diluting your own right. blackness or putting it to the back burner. So they don't have to pay attention to it. They don't have to acknowledge. Oh, because you're above that. You're 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 more than that. Right. So 
we're gonna we're gonna acknowledge what more right. that you are. Like, you know, I've always been considered right. Right. by, you know, the teachers in school. Most of my teachers being white. It's like, oh, you're more than than that. You don't behave in that way, Justin. You don't you don't think about those things. You don't do the things that they do. You're so much more. You're right. so much better than that. You know. Right, yeah, right. yeah, I, bro, I would, bro. You're, I ain't even care. You're the no like, I, <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a preacher when I was a kid. No, bro. <laughs> hey, man, I still might. Hey, bro, they pay me good enough. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, but no, like, yo, they that was that. Was, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> right, but that, but that was the thing with, with my upbringing. You're like, I was right so now. much different and. And I—I'll I, be honest. I may have started to believe that a little bit, because and it caused it caused some friction with a lot of my classmates and my siblings, especially mm. my my older brother, like because he always pointed it out. It was like, "Yo, you think you di- like you think you're different or above people?" And I was like, "No, I don't." <laughs> it was like, okay, you may not you may not think that you think it, but your actions, the way you mm. move and the way you talk when people say certain things, <laughs> is is. Yeah, right. You you like you reflect that in a way. Like you come off that way. You was unconsciously and I, unaware. And as a kid, I, I especially when I got to middle school, I wanted to try to get away from that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be. I wanted a close connection to what I thought blackness was, which was stupid mm-hmm. and ignorant. So my grades slipped. <laughs> you know. But yeah, that's that's a piece of my upbringing. That was a, a moment right. of vulnerability. Just mm-hmm. me being honest about who I am and how I came up. Like yeah, I was yeah, I was on some some nut stuff. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it will make sense in a society that has demonized and as a society that has stereotyped and theorized and marginalized blackness, it would make sense. We would want to transcend it or try to attempt to abstract ourselves as mm-hmm. just being a dishuman without color and just receive me as a person type of thing. It would, it would make sense that we would want to try to transcend that. But I find that ironic that white people their whiteness is all of what they are. It's never something that they feel the need. I got to get beyond my whiteness because their exactly. whiteness is rewarded in a society that is controlled by them. So contextually, it makes sense that the content of our behavior looks like people who are trying to constantly tr- transcend their race, transcend their culture or the stigmas or associations that have anything to do with blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go a little bit further with her quote, and then we're going to move on to our other case. Uh, she said originally in the video, I don't want black, my race, to be the descripting or uh, describing adjective of the defining adjective as as me as a woman. Uh, I am not a black woman. Then she went on to say I'm a Christian woman. So she didn't like I said, she didn't mind. It was salient for her to mention that she's a woman and to maintain that firmly, but not as much as blackness, because womanness may not be something that is uh, terrorized or stigmatized as much as, as blackness, although women definitely live in a misogynistic society. So don't hear me saying women are not experiencing anything because of their womanness. That's not what I'm saying. So, I, I, you know, and these are the things that we're confronted with, you know, with black people who may be at a assimilationist level or a humanist level where they're, all their attempts is trying to transcend their blackness or trying to diminish or denounce their blackness because they feel like they will be rewarded with more uh, white acceptance if I remove myself mm-hmm. and distance myself from my blackness 
There you go. I'm not black. I'm OJ. You know, so OJ, look at all the rewards OJ got by fully assimilating into whiteness and white proximity. You even got him a white even had a white dog. I'm not sure. But anyway, you know, he fully, he, yeah, and he fully accepted, you know, whiteness. In exchange, he got all the love and adoration for white people. But on the back end of that, he had to jeopardize his love and acceptance from black people because there's a greater value attached to white acceptance than black acceptance because black people, frankly, by and large, to some degree, don't accept ourselves quite fully, but we've been making steps and we've been making leaps and bounds to become more African-centered, more pan-Africanist, and more proud of our blackness. And uh, like Jenny Brown said, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Um, so to mm-hmm. move our final case study here, uh, you know him as uh, Daniel Kukua. He played in Black Panther. He was the star of Get Out. Um, and he was recently interviewed. And he said in this interview uh, related to racial narrative, uh, he said uh, he was resisting the racial narrative into which he felt he was being forced into. Uh, and I quote Daniel said, I'm not going to ignore that I'm surrounded by racial issues, but I'm not defined by it. Mm, that's the saliency part. My race does not define me. So therefore, it may not be central to my decisions, my moods, my functions, uh, the things I do in life. And um, what I find to be most important to me and what affects me most emotionally, politically, mm. uh, socially and culturally. It has a ripple effect throughout everything. Um, and so then he went on to say, I'm just Daniel who happens to be black. Now, this is a black man who's been centered in a lot of black depiction films and black culture and black issues here lately. Yeah. But for him to say, I'm Daniel who just, just happened to be black, black. boy, you knew. <laughs> Serendipity. I just happened to be you. Can't hide that. you That's know, black, but black. blackness I'm is playing, not. And we are the original man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially him. You know, you know, and he has a beautiful complexion. You know, oh, wow. I often <laughs> that, uh, what's the name? Uh, uh, Kofi Cerebo. I would love to have that complexion. Yes, I love my complexion. I love my complexion just the same. You know, black, all black is beautiful. All kind of shades. Right. You know, so for him to say, and as dark as he is, he can't evade his blackness. He can't circumvent his blackness. And for him to say, I'm just Daniel who happens to be black. Right allows you to know because he is operating in a white dominated space in Hollywood, you don't have to this I'm just playing a role of a black guy who's centered in racial issues. But far as my real person, you don't have to worry about me as a problem. So therefore reward me with more character. Reward me with more opportunities because I'm not gonna really be a threat to the systematic structure that's predicated upon racism and people who look like me because I, I just happen to be black. I'm Daniel who happens to be black. Just like I'm OJ, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not black. I'm not. I'm not black. I'm OJ. You know, it's not much mm-hmm. of a difference there with the dissociation and trying to detach oneself from their black. Yeah, I, I, I had a I had a question. I mean, what's your about thoughts that? about um, that? Because that troubles me in many ways. No, no. I just I was I was trying to think of what I what I had to ask. It was is about um, the serendipity. Yeah, so I just happen to be black. I'm disassociating. Just. Not not disassociating, but I'm I'm pushing who I am to the side. 
uh, so I can be more incorporated and just and I can just fit into this particular movie role without being mm-hmm. typecast or you, you do you honestly well just just mm-hmm. your just your opinion uh, do you honestly believe mm-hmm. that there is a level of success that can be achieved without having to acknowledge or or just focus on the idea that Oh, just focus on the obvious. Let me let me just put it that way. Just is there a way to achieve a level of success without focusing so much on the obvious? Because how is it that I don't I don't want I don't, don't want to you know get into colorism too much, but how is it that Will Smith can obviously be black and he just floats in Hollywood? <laughs> you know what I'm like you know what I'm saying he just you know like he he just kind of like he does, he never addresses it. He just treats you know movie roles as movie roles. He just you know jumps from one. Uh, opportunity to the next and he just he's been able to move move within the industry and not ever take a stance but still be accepted and loved by both people i think he has a certain balance and like how do you get Uh there right Mm. well because his version of blackness it it Uh. doesn't serve to be an affront meaning to whiteness it doesn't challenge the system I love Absolutely. Will Smith. Yeah. I've I grew up on Will Smith in the nineties through Fresh Prince and on so on and so forth. Bad boys all I love on Will Smith. Oh, he has you. spoken up on black issues, but not to the extent that you will confuse him mm-hmm. with Malcolm X. You know, so he's operated within the lane of humanism and and um made assimilationism to the extent to where he's assimilated to systems, you know, long enough to where he can actually get some benefits and some kickback and he can be a, a beneficiary of being in the white systematic structure of Hollywood. Um, and then he had like almost like a reactionary tantrum in the sense of mm-hmm. how dare you not accept me right. uh, white Oscars and Oscars are so white, but Oscars <laughs> always been so white. You know, Will, that, that never changed, Will. And Will, know. I love you. So if you hear my podcast one day, <laughs> this is not a shot at you, brother. I got love for you. But the, but the mm-hmm. Oscar, hopefully not. <laughs> I ain't going to think I'm kissing. But the, the Oscars have always been so white. And, that, and that's the problem with reactionary radicals. Because what's really going on, they have a they have a, a introverted or a, a inverted, rather, excuse me, have an inverted sense of rejection and feeling jilted by whiteness. So their reactionism or their radicalism is more so a reaction to being mm-hmm. uh, jilted by white people, being rejected right. by white people, and being disowned by white people. And they're not really Absolutely. they're not really Boy. radical. Ooh. See, I'm the type I'm the type yes. of radical. I don't care what white people think about me. But it took it took mm-hmm. it took a while to get there. And I'm still from time to time rooting myself from the white gaze. And uh, but mm-hmm. what should be done in congruence with what I feel like white people have standardized as acceptable behavior. But, but once you get to that stage where you're a reactionary radical, your, your right. radicalism is really predicated upon the fact that white people won't accept me. So that's why I'm ranting like I am. But the minute that people, white people accept you, you turn into Kanye West and it's not about uh, well, Bush don't like black people. Or Bush don't care about black people. It's about all oh, Donald Trump accepting right. me. So now and I'm a token nigga for that purpose. And like, I, uh, I'm the, not the, as conscious I'm, I'm sorry anymore to because I finally got accepted. The way, right, the way in which so, they so accept rest- us piece by piece is predicated upon, upon no, you're good, you're good. how much of that consciousness are you willing to give up? 
It was like if you if you're willing, you can still you can still be enraged, right? But you but when you come on this exactly. side, it's not black anger. It's oh, this is a special type of rebellion that we can market around. Right, so you can create, you can create art, you can create music, you can uh, be an actor in a in a film, you can mm-hmm, be a, exactly. a, of a high quality entertainer. As oh, he's the rebel, he's the rebel black American. He's not, you know, he's not a, you know, this 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 is how they this is how they package it. It was like oh no 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 no, she's um, mm-hmm. uh, Harriet Tubman was just you know a rebel black American. She's a she's an American, a true American. She's not fighting for her people. And I didn't even see the film, but that's what that's the vibe right. that I got, and that's some of the reviews that yeah. I that I that I read on it. She was like, "Yo, exactly. she's the a rebel black American. They're not fighting on behalf of their own people. They are fighting for fighting for our country, and they did they be seen as such." And I think that's where we're going into this mm-hmm. new wave of consciousness, which is a whole other topic. But continue. <laughs> um. Right. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, you're absolutely correct. You know, so black success in Hollywood to a great degree is leveraged by the extent to, like you said, leveraged by the extent to which you're willing to relinquish your consciousness and and will compensate you. That goes right back to what I was saying about the operant conditioning. You know, I will give you positive reinforcement the more that you say I don't care about black people and I don't care about black struggles. The more that you say, I can't relate to that ASAP Rocky, the more that you say, that's their problem. I don't feel that way. The more we'll, we'll, um, the more we'll reward you with money, opportunities, a seat at the table, you know? So now that you got a seat at the table, you're not even concerned about the fact that your seat at the table is a hot chair, but everybody else's seat at the table is a level chair. You just concerned. I, I just want to be up here with y'all. I don't care if my seat is shorter than y'all. I don't care. I don't care if my seat is not on the same level as y'all. I just wanted to see, regardless of how you know disproportionate that seat is to everybody else's seat. And to that extent, you know, white acceptance once again right. becomes the litmus yeah, test. Yeah, some of some people don't even get a seat at the table. And it's they'll not get, about creating the your table. own table. And sitting Indian style and apple, crisscross applesauce, and they'll serve them the scraps from from the yeah, from the top exactly. of the table, whatever they don't want, they just feed you the rest of it. Like, it's a lot of it's a lot of leftover right. wealth, quote unquote. Uh, it's a lot of leftover right, right, uh, right. access to these particular spaces of you know white wealth and right. proximity. There's a, so it's a lot of us that are getting the leftovers. Mm-hmm. It's like you know when. We ch- I, 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 I did. I did. I, I'll be right. honest. Like, well, you've seen it. I posted it on Facebook. <laughs> I, 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 I did. I was the proud of the fact that uh, Kanye West did reach officially. A, well, mm-hmm. it was, it was, right. Hmm? No, no. <laughs> but no, I, I did acknowledge that, like, you know, as a symbol said, of achieving the level of black wealth, I think that does <laughs> that that can do something. Uh, positive, like most of the time when I'm po- when I'm posting, there's there's a a positive intent. Like I, I don't ever post anything to you know to be to be boastful or to you know use him as a as a as a model of of uh, what real black success is. It is it is a particular level. Like yo, to achieve the billionaire status as a black man, that that is that is something that's commendable. I, I right. don't I'm, I don't agree with everything where it says and does. I only only love him as a musician, and I wish he would just get back to that and just shut the hell up. <laughs> but right, right, yeah. But you know, but I, I think that is a that is a level of success, and for some people yeah, that can be a motivating factor. 
And we never know what what one of our people would do with that, mo- that type of motivation because they may love Kanye West way more than I do. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, I, to mm-hmm. me, I guess that's where racial ideology, yes. the, the last scale of the um, MMRI, uh, as we come to a close here, I think that's why a racial ideology becomes uh, particularly yes. imperative because based on based upon who you are, it's going to determine what you do. So Muhammad Ali being a billionaire mm-hmm. is much different from Kanye being a billionaire or Malcolm X being a billionaire or Dr. King oh, yeah, being a billionaire. It's much different. Or Maya Angelou would be much different or James Baldwin and so on and so forth. Them being billionaires mm-hmm. is much different from a Kanye being billionaires, particularly with their moral uh, grounding, the, the way in which they see the world and their worldview. So that's why I'm not as excited when I see Kanye becoming a billionaire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the brother worked hard. He had, I mean, you've got to be some type of smart to achieve that type of success. However, I always, I always think about black success. To me, black success is to what degree does it magnify and increase mm-hmm. our wholeness or our wellness as black people? To what degree do we become enhanced and better as a result of you right. achieving that wealth? It's an African proverb that says, if, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And, uh, and I'm not saying Kanye hasn't done great work, so it hasn't, hasn't been a, um, considerate of black people, hadn't done great things for black people, I'm saying, his personality at this particular time and moment is not one that makes me feel excited about him becoming a billionaire mm-hmm. uh, because I'm not seeing it how in effect it's going to be a win-win for black people altogether in some type of way. In his mm-hmm. best yeah. Particularly when he's uh, lauding and yeah. praising uh, a white supremacist um, in, in a 45. So, I mean, but anyway, um, so the, the breakdowns of ideologies, nationalists, uh, is one who's an Afrocentric, oppressed minority. Mm-hmm. It's someone who's stuck at an impoverished state or destitute state. So everything they do is coming from a place of uh, destitution uh, because you don't have much. Uh, assimilationists, uh, you're trying to assimilate into the white system. Uh, humanism is where essentially you just make mm-hmm. everything about the human race. We're all one race. Then, uh, race is a concept. Although it's a concept, it's definitely a reality. Uh, and that's something that, that can't be refuted. Um, and so in humanism, one thing we got to realize about humanism for black people who are out here campaigning, well, we all, it's only one race, the, the human race. Humanism is not equal. It's not equitable across Absolutely. races. So therefore, white people's humanism and black people's humanism is not the same. And mm-hmm. we don't have to look any further than uh, police brutality to see how our humanism is much different from white people's humanism. Hey man, we had so much more we could have gotten to. Um, right. <laughs> uh, well, for the listeners, the, our episodes may be split up to 40 to 50, maybe hour episodes. Uh, I want to touch on real quickly triple quandary theory, which is a theory that maximizes the double consciousness theory that uh, W.E.B. Du Bois had, which was basically saying you're um, a, a one body torn asunder by two souls, the soul of the African and, right. the, and the soul um, uh, the one who's trying to achieve uh, assimilation into Americanism. Uh, but the triple quantity talks mm-hmm. about being an African and being someone trying to assimilate to the mainstream and being a minority. 
you know, so it's three prong. It's not just trying to assimilate and being African still, but you're also having to adjust to being minoritized right. within um, the larger system of being a, a being an African in the system of America. And that's probably without what the Jay's, the Jay Z's, and the Kenya Barris and uh, well, not Kenya Barris, but uh, other black people who are in that state where you're still minoritized and you're still trying to be in the mainstream and you also still trying to be African in some type of way. Uh, oh, this, this is great. This is great from the phone. You know, you enjoyed this episode. I did. I, mean, I had a lot of fun with this episode. But in closing, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Mm -hmm. you know, so I'm closing here. The word of the day was meta-awareness, which means what you think, why you think, how you think, while you think. Um, and hopefully you can use this information to have a better understanding of racial identity and why uh, black people are not money. Yeah, but no, I, like I said, man, this has been this has been great. This second episode points. is like, and that's a, my piece. I feel like it's a I'm giant it step up Justin. from the very first one. It's just, like this is part of us getting better and, and, and you know, just spreading the information and I, I do have to commend you on, you know, even though you use the terms, mm -hmm. like I think contextually that I mean, they, they were in a, their proper place in, you know, someone that is listening to this, that may be in a particular stage of development in their consciousness would definitely understand it. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's, <laughs> it's uh, catering to a particular school of thought or someone with a, you know, a degree, uh, like a higher level of uh, education. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it, this is this is for people who are at a particular stage, or even if even if you're not, and you want to just hear us, mm -hmm. you know, you know, speak mm -hmm. about these these topics and these subjects and uh, these ideologies. Like, yeah, this is this is the place to be. I, I like I like this. I, I love this episode uh, thus far. I know it's going to get way better, and I, I really got some mm -hmm. jokes, man. I, I wanted to get them off. <laughs> they're coming. Oh, best believe. Oh, yes, they're coming. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh they, they, they're coming. And uh, I just want to say, uh, Santi Sana, uh, to you, Justin, for being my co-host and uh, helping balance out this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say Santi Sana to the listeners. Santi Sana means uh, thank you very much in Swahili. Um, and, you know, that's, that's basically it for this podcast episode. Sure. And uh, 